Welcome to the Make Learning Magical podcast. I am your host, Tisha Richmond. On this show, I chat with educators and thought leaders from around the world to hear stories of how they are transforming teaching and creating unforgettable learning experiences because we all have our own special magic. Welcome to the Make Learning Magical podcast. Today, I have one of my bestest friends on the show, Mandy Freilich. Mandy is the author of The Fire Within, Divergent EDU, Reignite the Flames, and most recently, The Educator's Matchbook. She has vast experience as an elementary teacher, a tech integrator, a district administrator, and is currently an educational consultant sharing her expertise in the effective use of technology to support great teaching, mental health support for educators, and how to create organizational change. As some of you know, we are in the midst right now of our fourth annual Gratitude Snaps Challenge that I launch every year with Tara Martin. And I have invited Mandy on today to talk about the power and science behind gratitude. Plus, I just love any chance I get to chat with her live. (laughs) Welcome, Mandy. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Of course, I, I love any chance I get to chat with you, too. It's the best day ever when I get to. So I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm so, so excited to talk with you. And I love the research and all that you've done in the realm of of gratitude and mental health. And so I'm really looking forward to having this conversation because you have a lot of just valuable insight that you can share with our listeners. And I'd love to start, some of our listeners may not know your background in education. I would love for you to share a little bit about your background and how it's led you to this point in your educational journey that you're at now. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, you really did kind of sum up, like I've been in a few different positions within the the educational ecosystem. And um, that's led me to just have different points of view, different lenses to look at different uh, things. And one of the reasons that I left the classroom was because I was disengaged from teaching. And I, I originally had wanted to leave. And so um, there were a lot of a lot of pieces of that that have led me to where I am now, because I not only dealt with the educator disengagement, but I was also in an arena where um, I left Uh, teaching in order to be a tech integrator. So I was supposed to be more innovative and all of those things. And yet I was still dealing with this engagement. And so a lot of what I talk about is not only from the standpoint of educator mental health issues and burnout because of the experience and the research I've done there, um, but also in uh, sort of on the flip side of educator uh, engagement, resilience, and of course, with resilience, gratitude and things like mindfulness are all a part of that as well. And so um, it's that's sort of where my journey has taken me in order for me to you know, first I had to to research the stuff on why it happens, and then I had to research the stuff on how you come back and in my within my own journey. And now I try to um, pass that on to other educators so they can have the same experience. That's so awesome. And you know, I think about gratitude and how some educators might think, you know, gratitude it's kind of Pollyanna ish, and maybe maybe it's helpful for other teachers, but it's not really, you know, for me. What is your response to that when you're addressing this with with educators? Yeah, so I I, I get that 
I, I get that from a few different standpoints. First of all, I was totally like that too. And um, when I started researching resilience and I started making my way back from being a burnt out teacher, um, one of the things like I, I'll use um, self-care as an example, because it's very similar uh, in that way to um, to gratitude, is that when I saw other people practicing self-care, I was like, oh, that's cute for them but I'm actually busy. I have things to do, you know? And, and that's sort of, cause you know, I was working full time and getting my master's degree. I had four kids all in sports. Like we had all the things going on. And so I, I didn't realize the value that it really held and how um, part of engagement is actually taking care of yourself and, and how that means you practice self-care. And that means that you practice gratitude. And that means that you, you um, practice mindfulness because uh, in taking care of yourself, you are better able to take care of others. And so I, I get that, actually, I understand that full, that mindset of that philosophy. Um, it's not, it's not correct. <laughs> but I do understand where people are coming from when they think that. Um, and so uh, gratitude, you know, one of the things that I really had to look at when I was coming back was, um, you couldn't just tell me gratitude was going to work. You couldn't just tell me that self-care was going to work. Like I needed proof because I'm just that type of a person, you know, like I, I needed to know that it was going going to work. And so I started to look into uh, when I started to look into those things, one of the things with gratitude that I learned almost right away is uh, scientifically, it actually rewires your brain. And that was the piece that I was like, I'm sorry, what now? Like it, 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 it actually changes the way that our, our brain is like the way that it functions. And it really does. And, um, and that was the part that brought it from being kind of frou-frou or Pollyanna-ish for me into the science of no, this actually works. And, um, so that's sort of how I address people, uh, people that that think that, you know, and, and a lot of times, again, all of those sort of things kind of fall under the same umbrella as Pollyanna-ish, like the, the mindfulness and the, the um, gratitude and the self-care all sort of fall under that umbrella, usually with people. And um, but it, it, it does scientifically rewire your brain. And so when I uh, usually, I'll, uh, you know, your your brain will continue to do anything that you continue to do, like it will wire itself for what you continue to do most. And your brain does not have a moral compass in the way that uh, the way that it works is it doesn't only remember good stuff. It doesn't sift through what you're doing and say, oh, that's really good. I'm going to remember that. And that's not so good. I'm not going to remember that. And if you think about having a, um, you know, a, a you're going to practice tennis. You're going to learn tennis, okay? And you have a tennis swing. And that tennis swing is an awful tennis swing. Your form is all wrong. You may be hitting the ball, but it's not even with the correct side of the racket. Like you just have an you have a terrible tennis swing. Your brain's not going to look at that tennis swing and say, "Oh, that's a really awful tennis swing." We're not going to remember that. It's going to say, "Oh, okay. This is the way we're playing tennis now, so I'm going to wire myself for that." And it's going to continue to wire itself and wire itself until that terrible tennis swing is hardwired into the brain. And you do it more naturally. You do it all the time. You, every time you go out and you, you play, that's the tennis swing you use because your brain doesn't have that moral compass of saying that's a good tennis swing or a bad tennis swing. And 
And so that is, uh, that's very much the way that things like gratitude, mindfulness, and self-care, that's very much the way they all work, um, is that the more you practice gratitude, the more likely your brain is to practice gratitude automatically. And so there's, um, you know, there's a lot of pieces of that, that it feels very Pollyannish, but it's actually very scientific. And so that's kind of my, my um, philosophy on that. You know, when you said that, it made me think about this new journey I'm on with CrossFit. And so I just started going to the gym recently and I take these CrossFit classes and I've, I've never been strong. Like I I've been a runner most of my life, you know, and not like a, a huge distance runner, but maybe like three or four miles. And that's kind of been my exercise for, for a long time. And I was realizing that I needed to build the strength just so that I, I had all this lower body strength, but not upper body strength. And I wanted to be more proportioned in that. But also I have a history of osteoporosis in my family. And I know that like bone strength is really important. And so I started taking these classes a few days a week. And there's this one coach that's at the gym that is just really good about coaching form. And I would, you know, I'd be lifting these series of, you know, this, this weight and this series of repetitions that we were supposed to do. And he'd be like, no, he's like, this is going to feel awkward at first, but you need to do it this way. It's Mm -hmm. not going to seem right. It's going to seem weird, but the more you do it, it's just going to become, that's just habit. Like that's just the way that your body is going to remember to do it. And so Mm -hmm. he continually corrects me and fine tunes my form until I get it right. One, because I'm going to prevent injuries that way. But second of all, it's going to be more effective. And so as you were talking about that and the tennis swing and relating that to gratitude, that that totally resonates with me because it's just something that I, I'm currently, you know, in right now. Uh, but I think about that too with our kids as we are in our classrooms, you know, in our in the educational world, if we can kind of develop some of these things within our our classroom, you know, help help them practice that, then that's going to be um, something that is going to stick with them. They're going to get into that habit of looking at the world through that gratitude lens. And it's it's rewiring their brain and how, wow, like that's pretty powerful when we think about that. And not only for ourselves and practicing gratitude and rewiring our brains to, um, to think in that way, but then also helping to develop those practices with the students that we serve. Yeah, absolutely. And, and one of the things that I often say about, um, you know, and, and all three of, you know, the, the self-care, the mindfulness, the gratitude, there's all three ways to build resilience, right? And we're always talking about building resilience in students. And, and I don't know if we do an awesome job um, talking about how you do that. But gratitude is one way that you do that. Because if I... Um, and, and I, again, I can absolutely speak from experience. I used to be uh, a super, super negative person. And, and my first thought every time something bad happened to me was, I was very like external locus of control, like, oh, I have such bad luck. And why does this stuff happen to me? And, and I'm just going to complain, complain, complain. And, and, and I used to absolutely be like that. And I'm, you know, I'm not, 
perfect Pollyanna now, but I've come a really long way uh, in rewiring my own brain. And it did feel super uncomfortable. Like you said, at first, like, Mm -hmm. it gave me all the uncomfortable feels head to toe, like in trying to in trying to do that. And it was a lot of work. It was not easy, because you are literally unplugging pieces of your brain and, you know, there's a little person up there. (laughs) <laughs> and they are unplugging pieces mm-hmm. of your brain and replugging them back in. That's actually not scientifically true, but that's the way I imagine it. And and so it does take a lot of work. Um, but it is as far as our our students go, like we absolutely can help them rewire their brain that way, and um, by helping mm-hmm. them practice gratitude. But it is one of those things that you really need to practice yourself and be able to uh, best in order to best tell them how to do how, you know, how for them to do it. And, um, you know, one of the a common, a common mistake I see with gratitude is that people say, well, I'm, I'm appreciative for whatever. I'm appreciative for Tisha Richmond because she's amazing and she does all these magical things, but they don't pause to feel it. Um, and that's, you know, that's mm-hmm. something that we can help our students with. And so like when you talk about SEL and 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 self-regulation and, and stuff like this, you know, um, a lot of times one of the issues in both children and adults is that they can't label emotion. And so when they feel angry, their first thought isn't, I feel angry. What do I do when I feel angry? They just feel angry. And so um, so they do sort of anything that comes to their mind instead of having a plan of attack for angry. And so the mm-hmm. um, you know same kind of thing with gratitude. When you practice gratitude, you have to take the time to feel it. And I usually say from your toes to your nose, like you have to feel it whole body, mm-hmm. um, you know, feel that feeling of appreciation so that you can say that's gratitude. That's what it feels like when I'm appreciative or gratuitous. And your your brain and your body will come back to that more often, the more that you rewire your brain to do that. And so when we teach kids that, you know, when we teach them to feel those feelings, uh, you know, they'll be able to label that and then again, come back to that later. Uh, but you have to be able to feel it. You can't just say, I'm appreciative for, I'm gratuitous for, you can't just write down your three gratitude pieces a day without taking a moment to feel it. That's the most important part. And, mm-hmm. and I also think it's one of the reasons why when you say that this kind of stuff feels very Pollyannish, I, I think it goes back to that a little bit as well, because um, a lot of times people feel like emotions are so abstract, they can't wrap their mind around them. And, and we've, you know, we've talked about, I think we talked about this on the last podcast too, that like when, you know, when they're feeling sad or when they're feeling angry or when they're feeling uh, the feelings that come out of trauma or, or they're feeling joyful or they're feeling gratitude, like it, that feels so abstract because they, they don't, they can't touch it. You know, they can't, uh, unless you're crying and you touch your tears, like you, you can't, you can't touch it. And, um, and so in that way, uh, because it's so abstract, I think that's why people have a hard time wrapping their minds around gratitude. Yeah, I, gosh, that makes me um, really pause and think about that and how often, you know, we might just, even with the gratitude snaps, you know, right now, I, I know uh, for those who are listening and don't know what I'm talking about when I say gratitude snaps, 
you know, we launched this challenge at the beginning of November. It's our fourth annual time of doing it where we we pause and, and think about what we're grateful for in that day and then create um, an image that maybe we annotate over it, maybe add our own bitmojis and emojis uh, to express it and then, you know, share it out on social media. But I think even in that, like how important it is when we do that to truly feel that gratitude and what we're creating, you know, and, and how oftentimes you might do it, we might think of something, oh, well, you know, I'll share this out today, but not really letting that sink in and truly feel the emotions that are associated with that thing that we're gratitude, you know, that we're grateful for. I think that is a really, really important thing to think about and makes me think just in my own practice, truly feeling it when I, when I share this out. Right. Yeah. And to be effective, it has to have that piece. Um, You know, like um, if it's where you're just thinking to yourself, oh, my kids make me happy. So I'm going to share out their uh, their picture or, oh, I shared my first three kids. I better share my fourth and I'm going to share out that picture. You know, like if those are are your thoughts, you need to slow down. Yeah. (laughs) You need to slow down a little bit and say, oh, why? Why do they make me feel joy? Why do they make me feel gratitude? And because that's that's really the important piece. That's the piece that will change you, um, you know. And so, like, I, I love gratitude snaps as one potential way to uh, to be mindful of doing that every single day for a month. Because potentially, if you do it every day for a month, you're going to continue doing it. Um, either you know, if it's not on social media, potentially it's in a notebook, which is one strategy for practicing gratitude is to, you know, have a notebook and, and write down something that you're that you feel gratuitous for every day. Um, there's also, you know, you can um, shoot somebody off a text uh, or a little message or a sticky note telling them how appreciative you are for them. Like there's a few different things you can do. But if you're not stopping to feel the feels, um, you know, and, and that kind of thing, you're missing out on the best part and the most life-changing part of gratitude. Um, and another piece of that that can be a little bit difficult, particularly during this pandemic, is, uh, you know, people who have gone through trauma have their, their, <clears throat> they've trained their bodies and their minds to not feel feelings or emotions as much. Um, because in the past, whenever the trauma was that, that was, that was a piece that was shut down in order to help them survive their trauma or, or, you know, uh, whatever it is. And with, um, even if you've never suffered a trauma, the amount of overwhelm that we have right now from all of the things, um, you know, that no matter what way you're voting in the presidential election, it doesn't matter. The entire election has been very overwhelming. Um, the, um, you know, we have the pandemic and we had kind of joked about there being like some sort of blue moon or harvest moon stuff going on. Mercury's in retrograde. Like we have all of the things happening right now. And uh, so even even from that point, there can be a time where you become um, sort of detached from feeling that emotion, which means that being intentional about feeling that emotion is that much more important. And so stopping and thinking to yourself, you know, um, what does gratitude feel like to me? You know, what does what does gratitude feel like? And allowing that to kind of, uh, f- you know, fill you up and and recognizing that as gratitude is a super important practice. Okay, so let's break this down because I sometimes I get 
I start thinking about all this and I'm like, okay, so like, what does this look like? What does this actually look like when I practice this in my life? If I'm going to bring this to my classroom and I'm going to have my students practice gratitude, thinking about these strategies, whether it's the gratitude snaps, whether it's the journal writing, what are some habits of practice that we can get into where this becomes uh, just part of our daily routine? Like, do you suggest that you have a certain time of day where you just sit down and you do this? Is this something that's more organic that you just are intentional about being aware of what you're grateful for in the day and jotting it down as it comes to you? Like what, for those people who are like, okay, like I get it. I get why this is important. Uh, but I just need some practical steps to put this into action in my life. What would you suggest to them? Sure. Um, so I, I would say there's not any best time of day. I mean, it really depends on like, are you a morning person? Are you a night person? Like, you know, um, in the morning, I can't do much more than stumble out of bed and blindly reach for coffee. So like for me, practicing gratitude in the morning is just not going to work. Like I don't have the cognitive function uh, before caffeine to do anything. So um, you know, like I would be more likely to practice it during the afternoon or at night um, because I, I just, you know, I can't. But I do know some people who wake up at the crack of dawn and they are ready to go. And then that might be a great time for them to practice it. Um, for me, what it looks like typically on an everyday basis, it does not have to be something that is this huge 20 minute ritual, you know, three minutes, five minutes, maybe, um, you know, if, if you have to, um, you know, if you if you'd rather write it down, you can have a notebook that seems to be helpful for a lot of people. One thing that I like about the, the notebook is that you can look back <clears throat> and see all of the gratitude you've practiced, which can be rewarding. Uh, you can see how far you've come. Uh, you know, think about where you were when you started emotionally to where you are. And it's sort of a logbook of that. Um, but you don't have to write it down. Like it's not it's not mandatory to be able to do that. Uh, so what I would um, typically do is just stop for a couple of minutes. I love to take like three deep breaths. And um, then I would think about the thing that I'm that, that I'm feeling gratitude towards. And I would just keep it in my head, like keep thinking of it, whether it's an image or, or, you know, the name or whatever it is. And then just allow that feeling to fill me up when I, you know, if it's a person, when I see that person or when I hear from them, or, you know, um, I feel a lot of gratitude. If you guys know me at all, you know how much I love my dog. I feel a lot of gratitude towards my dog. I tell her how pretty she is, like, in like, copious amounts of how pretty she is and how special she is. And so like, I, I feel gratitude for her a lot. And um, <clears throat> so when I think about my dog, you know, allowing that to fill me up again from my toes to my nose and, um, you know, just waiting for the, the feeling to fade and then going about my day. And so it's, uh, it's really about just taking a mindful moment, feeling the gratitude, and then, you know, you can move on. Now with students, it's really, it can be the same thing. It can be something that's part of your practice in the morning. Um, you know, they're they're at school. If you take a mindful moment to stop what you're doing, ask them to, you know, potentially write something down, maybe in their agendas or something that they that they feel gratitude for. Um, have them think about that and allow allow it to fill them up. 
really talk about what that feels like. Um, you know, how sort of the, the, the emotion in your body shifts and you may feel, you may feel joy and you may feel sort of happy and you may feel, um, like maybe if you're feeling anxiety, that might be relieved for a few minutes while you're thinking of this because your brain actually cannot have both negative and positive feelings at the same time. It, it, it can't have those, like there is one system that you either feel one or the other. You're not, you're not feeling both. And so while, uh, you know, in particular, if you have those students with, um, you know, that, that have experienced trauma, like you're giving them their moment to be able to sort of re- relieve some of their anxiety and practice uh, gratitude for something. And so um, it doesn't have to be a big deal. It doesn't have to be this huge mm-hmm. system of practicing gratitude, you know, three to five minutes tops. And uh, as with students and yourself, like it will really be a, a great way to get get your day started. If it's in the morning, um, sleep well at night and get your morning started. If it's at night, you know, whatever it is. So it's really, really good advice. And and I'm thinking about just, you know, our time with our kids right now in the class in the classroom. And that's could be a virtual classroom that could be the brick and mortar. I mean, we're all over the place, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, as as a nation in our world as how we're doing this thing during COVID. But I think about how really it doesn't take that much time to just, if and to and that we can be in tune with our kids and see when maybe we need to take a moment for that within the middle of a lesson. You know, if you see mm-hmm. the anxiety rising, see you can see across the Zoom screen that your kids are, are tuning out or maybe just feeling the stress of whatever it is. Um, just taking that moment to take in those three deep breaths and just pause. And it doesn't have to be this huge, you know, break in your lesson. It doesn't take that long to just mm-hmm. take that pause. It doesn't have to be at the same time, you know, every day. It can be, you know, when you as the educator feel like, okay, this is a good moment to just take a pause and to practice some gratitude. And I think that that is, is is just great. And I just know for myself, the deep breathing, like Mm -hmm. this last year, I have noticed much more than I ever have before that I just have gotten into the practice of doing that. It's, it's kind of like subconscious almost like I'll just Mm -hmm. realize all of a sudden, like I'm taking three deep breaths and it's amazing how just that act of doing that completely calms me. You know, I can yeah. start feeling the the anxiety of all the stress in our world and and all the stress that's happening, you know, within our districts as we try to try to deal with COVID and and doing that and just taking that moment. It's like, okay, it's like a reset, you yeah. know, that you can do. And I think the more you do it, the more that just you don't even think about doing it. It's just something that you your body knows it needs to do in that moment. Right. And, and actually you're exactly, you're exactly right. Taking a deep breath, um, like uh, physiologically calms your automatic nervous system. And so, um, especially if you get into something like conscious breathing, which is, uh, being very aware about the way that you're breathing. And I always kind of laugh because I'm like, it's the one thing I've done my whole life that I thought I was doing right. And then I learned about conscious breathing and I'm like, Oh, actually I have, I can't, I'm not doing that right. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's, it's about like relearning how to breathe and, um, but taking deep breaths legitimately, uh, does a reset on your, on your body so that you are able to better move forward with what you're doing and, and learning some of these, 
these like little practices. And you're right. Like once you start doing it, you know, the uh, once you start doing it, you will start to do it more because that's what your brain wires itself to do. And some of those automatic patterns that we have that our that our brains do, which is, um, you know, I have this mindfulness course and I talk about automatic patterns in it, but it's it's the stuff that we do subconsciously because we have practiced it so much that we just do it automatically. We don't, you know, it's it's like the idea of driving and having a conversation with someone on in the in the passenger seat. Like we've driven so much that we can do that. Um, you know, if it's the same the same highway we've taken forever, we can drive that highway or we can drive that route and we can have that conversation. But what happens if we start to take a different route? We we have to be like, oh, just one second. I have to check. Am I going the right way? Am I supposed to turn here? I can't remember. What does the you know what does the GPS say? Is the GPS even talking to me? I can't hear anything. You know, and and you start to have to uh, cut off the conversation with that people. It's because with those people because that route's no matter no longer an automatic route. And so um, it's it, it's sort of that same thing. This the things that you do the most often are going to become automatic patterns of behavior. Uh, your brain is consistently trying to be the most efficient it can possibly be. And so anything that you do a lot, it's going to commit to an automatic pattern because automatic patterns do not need um, as much energy. And so it's it's like saving energy for learning and for things that you don't know how to do. And so. Um, you know, we have the choice of committing automatic patterns like negativity, um, or we have the choice mm-hmm. of committing automatic patterns like mindfulness and gratitude. Um, we we make that choice. And so uh, sometimes it's about recognizing those automatic patterns and really working and being uncomfortable and feeling awkward um, and rewiring so that the um, gratitude becomes the automatic pattern. You know, as you're talking, I was just thinking about how in this season that we've been in with all of the the stress and the negativity and the fear and all of the feelings, mm-hmm. um, I felt all of those things strong. And at the same time, I have felt a new appreciation for the things that maybe I had taken for granted before, you know, just mm-hmm. like getting to see you in real life. Like we, there was mm-hmm. always kind of a just an understanding before that we would see each other, you know, at FETC, you know, in, in January or at ISTE in June. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden this year, those opportunities to to see my friends that are in other part of the world went away. And so my appreciation for those friendships were like, strengthened in a way because I'm like, wow, like I... I appreciate these friends so much and, and how I wish that we would be able to recreate some of those experiences we've had in the past, seeing people face to face. Um, but really appreciating now the moments that we just even get to talk like this, mm-hmm. right? Like in a live conversation or, or have the technology to be able to vox back and forth. And, and for those listeners out there, Mandy and I talk every day. <laughs> like we truly are uh, super good friends and are always communicating. But it, it gives me a, it, you know, a new appreciation for some of those things that I, I took for granted. And so I think that whole idea of pausing and truly feeling that appreciation, feeling that gratitude. Uh, when we do that, how those feelings are going to be so much stronger than maybe those other feelings that we are 
you know, also feeling during this time, which is the fear and is the uncertainty and is the the sadness and the stress, mm-hmm. all of those things. Um, it, it just makes me think in my own practice how I truly want to be intentional about that. I was thinking yesterday I went on a I went on a run and I was intentional about as I was running appreciating the beauty in my surroundings. Cause right now I don't know what, you know, our listeners, I don't know what part of the world you are in, but in Southern Oregon right now, it is gorgeous. The, the color of the leaves on the trees are truly breathtaking. And every time that we hit the season, I just have this urge to just want to freeze them. Like I don't want the wind to blow. I don't want the <laughs> rain. I don't want any weather. I just want the trees to be frozen for a little bit longer because I know as soon as that first windstorm hits or the mm-hmm. first like real heavy rain, all of these are going to be gone. And so yesterday as I was running, I was just thinking about that. Like I just want to breathe all of this in. Like I want to just, I want to truly appreciate like all of these beautiful things that, you know, are in my surroundings every day, the deer and the wild turkeys and all of the things. And I, I actually knew that I wanted to do a gratitude step on it. So I actually paused during my run to take pictures of the most beautiful trees and all of that. But just, just being intentional about really thinking about those things that I was grateful for and really pausing and like, like almost like breathing it in Mm -hmm. it, it, it was like, I didn't think about that at the time, but that really was what that was, what I was doing in that moment was truly just feeling that, you know, mm-hmm. and I did the same thing last night. It was my, was my birthday yesterday. And my, my mom and my sister had me over for dinner and it was like, I don't know, it was just such a wonderful night, but it would be so easy in my mind when those occurrences, those the special, you know, times, you know, happened, that I would appreciate it, but I would be maybe thinking about, okay, I've got when I get home tonight, I've got to do this, or this is what's on my agenda tomorrow, and not really just being completely present in that moment and being so grateful for the ability that we're even able to get together for a dinner and that I'm able to have my mom and, you know, my sister around. And so those things I think um, are so much more powerful when we can truly feel them and be present, present Mm -hmm. in that moment. Yeah, for sure. And really, you know, um, I can tell I can spew all of this brain science thing. But when it comes down to it, the the core of what we're trying to do is be a happy human. You know, like it's not, it really is about emotion and any and emotion, you feel emotion all over your body, right? It's not just in your head. Um, You when you are stressed, um, or overwhelmed, you feel a different emotion in your chest, for example, than when you breathe in the moment. And you feel that gratitude, like that is an entirely different feeling in your chest, if you feel it in your chest, like I do, um, you know, and, and so I think that having, that's the difference between being able to, um, you know, continue to live like we are every day being overwhelmed and stopping and appreciating the gratitude and, and being in that moment. And again, the stuff is all linked, you know, mindfulness is really about uh, expanding your uh, your view of what the current moment is instead of living in the future and living in the past or ruminating about the past and wondering what's happening in the future. Like you have to have those things 
because you have to have these memories, these beautiful memories that you have with you so that you it's part of feeling gratitude. And then you have to have goals so you know where you're going. But it's really about expanding what your view of the present moment is and and trying to stay in that more often. And when you're in that present moment, you have the ability to practice gratitude. And you have the ability to do some of the things that just make you a happier human, uh, to take deep breaths, <laughs> to reset yourself a little bit. And, um, and all of that is is really super important for uh, resilience and educator burnout and demoralization, and then also for our students resilience as well. Oh my goodness. Mandy, you are, are such a wealth of knowledge. And oh my goodness, I want to tell the listeners out there, if you haven't read Mandy's books, uh, The Fire Within, Divergent EDU, Reignite the Flames, um, you need to because she uh, truly has put so much research and um, and passion into this into what she shares with the world. And I really, really highly recommend all three. And then uh, just recently, she mm-hmm. has released this amazing journal. You'd call it a journal, right? Is it yeah. the Educators Matchbook? It's, it's sort of a workbook um, where uh, it takes a lot of the things that I talk about that help build resilience. Um, and, you know, uh, other things like creating goals, creating boundaries, um, having a self-care plan, like some of those types of things and asks you to go through that. And then it has 14 weeks worth of, of um, you know, helping you plan, help you, you. There's a gratitude journal in there. And so if gratitude, you know, gratitude mm-hmm. is you want to practice in a journal, you can do that. There's also a mindfulness journal. um, And within all of the pages of the 14 weeks, there are also uh, gratitude, mindfulness and resilience practices. um, And it teaches you how to do those practices so that you you have something in case you just don't know how to practice mindfulness. Um, It does tell you how to how you can go about doing that. It's I so I got a sneak peek. Um, I remember when Mandy, we were talking on Voxer and she's like, I have this idea. What do you think? I'm like, yes, you need to do this. This is amazing. Like, I cannot wait to get this. And I absolutely cannot wait to get my copy. And it's beautifully like just the way that she's laid it out is just is beautiful. And I am someone who uh, really appreciates like when things are laid out in a very, um, mindful way and is pretty to look at like I love that and it truly is like she put a lot of work into making this something that is um just super helpful but also just really intuitive and and something that you would enjoy doing and so I I recommend all of you check it out it is um available for is it still pre-sale I uh, know it's ready to go now. So it's, um, it's on. Yep, it's it's launched and and ready to go. So you can find it on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. There is no Kindle option because it is you you literally fill it out. It's a workbook. So there's a lot of information in there. But there are pieces that you have to write in. Um, so it's you order it as a workbook. And I was super excited to get it in full color. That was my that was my goal yeah. was the color piece because I think that it's a you know, having something that is um, pleasing to look at and beautiful, like that's also something that makes you happy. So that was, or at least it makes me happy. So it makes me happy to look at it. 
<laughs> yeah, no, it's beautiful. And so I highly recommend that you check that out. And then you've also just released a workshop. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. So I released a mindfulness workshop for educators. And so um, it really is about teaching educators how to practice mindfulness. Um, it's it's not so much about teaching educators to practice mindfulness so they can teach their kids, even though potentially that's a you know that's definitely something that could happen. Um, but again, so a, as I mentioned before, mindfulness is really something that you have to be uh, you have to be able to describe the feeling. Uh, you know, like you you did very well with gratitude and being able to breathe that moment in. Um, it's you have to be able to feel that before you can accurately describe it to somebody else. And so um, my mindfulness course for educators is um, just it, it has some references to the teaching profession. I talk a little bit about resilience in it and what, you know, what mindfulness has to do with that. Um, and then we talk about things like the automatic behaviors that I was just, you know, just describing. It talks about self-compassion and what that means in the form of mindfulness. So it is a mindfulness course, but there's also a lot of pieces to it saying, this is what this is what automatic behaviors are. Now that you know what automatic behaviors are, this is how it connects to mindfulness. And now that you know how those two are connected, this is how you can change it. And so it's a lot of um, a lot of recognizing what you do yourself in order to be able to change it. And once you can do that, we all know that in order to teach something, you have to know how to do it well, right? Like there's a difference between just knowing something and teaching something. And 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 once you have a handle on that, if, you know, if you really want to, you could take it back into the classroom, but it is also just okay to want to know how to do it yourself to be a happier human. And that's really what the mindfulness course is about. Super awesome. And oh my goodness, there's so many resources that... Mandy shares out. She is just continuously um, just sharing her expertise and knowledge with the world in so many ways. And so I would love, Mandy, for you to share with our listeners, like how can they find you if they think uh, maybe they are a school leader or a teacher that really wants to bring you out to their district um, to share your expertise with them? How, how can they find you and, and how can they connect? Sure. So my website is www.mandyfralick.com. Um, my last name can be a little tricky, so you can also find it by going to www.divergentedu.com. Um, and on there, you'll see I have a ton of free resources for mental health. Um, so there, you're, there are a lot of different uh, websites and things like that that you'll find there. Um, you'll also find the link to both my mindfulness course and my free self-care course for educators. So that's that's there as well. And then finally, I have a media page, which has uh, podcasts like this or um any kind of interviews on the mental health. Uh, I also speak on innovation uh, and those are actually super, super related and you can read that on my blog if you'd like. But, um, and then also I have a podcast that I co-host with John Harper called Teachers Aid. Um, it is focused solely on social emotional support for teachers. So you can find that on my website as well. Mandy, you're amazing. I am so lucky to call you friend. And since we're talking about gratitude, I will say that I am super, super grateful for you because you teach me stuff all the time. Like I'm always like, wow, like Mandy is such a wealth of knowledge. And plus, she's just a super, 
super good and supportive friend to me. So I so appreciate you. And I so appreciate you being on the show today, uh, sharing with us all about gratitude. Uh, I appreciate you too. And we need to, we'll, we'll take our moment after the podcast to, to let that fill us up. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to let that totally just like sink in and feel it. <laughs> Have a magical day, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Make Learning Magical podcast. I hope you are inspired by this episode and encouraged to find new ways to bring magic into teaching and learning. You can connect with me on Twitter at Tish Rich, Instagram at Tish Richmond, or on my website at tisharichmond.com. Please use the hashtag MLMagical to share thoughts about this episode. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and tune in next week for another magical episode.